last May was very sort of like make it or break it moment for the, for the company. If if the yeah we raised our Series B and then decided to pivot, which is I would not I would recommend that to very few people to to actually go and try and do that. Hello again, and welcome to the Shaping Design Podcast, where we help you get better at design through stories, strategies, and tactics. I'm Mitchell Bernstein. Today, we had an amazing guest in the pod, the one, the only, Jorn van Dyke. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but Jorn's a great friend of the pod. He's been a huge supporter of our efforts, and we can't thank him enough for that. And he was able to make time with us to sit down and chat about the future of Framer, AI and Framer, how they're creating a sustainable culture, and deciding when to hire, who to hire, what do they look for when they hire, and uh, so much more. You're going to love this episode. But before we jump right in, I need to ask you to do us a huge favor. This whole podcast is uh, edited and shot and recorded and whatever, all by myself and Pascal. And it would mean a lot to us if you just subscribed on YouTube and Spotify or wherever you listen to it. So we know that we should continue doing this podcast. It's a lot of effort on our part, and we really love doing it, but we want to make sure that you also love it too. So give us a thumbs up on YouTube if you like this episode. If you really like it, then subscribe, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to this. And with that being said, let's get into it. It was hard to get this one in the books, and I'm, I'm glad we did. How's it going? Good, good. I'm, I'm doing great. How about, how about yourself? Pretty good, pretty good, pretty busy. Um, we're working on a bunch of very exciting releases. So um, uh, yeah, we can talk more about that later. Thank you for joining. Uh, I know, again, like like you said, it was hard to get this this one scheduled. We kind of went back and forth for, I don't want to say like a little more than a month and a half, two months on, on trying to figure out the right date. A lot of conflicting dates, a lot of things happening. Uh, today's actually my first day at, at my new job. So it's kind of like... Congrats. Uh, a lot going on today. Interviewing you. Yeah, that's starting. Meeting coworkers for the first what, time. What's the What's the new gig? I'm working at a company called Cardinal. I've been contracting for for them with them for a while, and Cardinal is. Uh, I don't want to say quite yet what we're working on per se, but we're basically a tool for product managers. Okay. So it's kind of um, like Figma is to designers. Cardinal would be it. for PMs. Okay. So like big uh, scheduling, calendar, ticketing system. Like what? What? What angle are you? Yeah, right. Right now, it's, it's it, it focuses a lot on uh, writing specs, like specs and features, and then figuring out how to prioritize those. Figuring out you know what companies, what what features, and um, why you should build what features. How do you understand what's in, in your system? And uh, there's a bunch going on. It's <laughs> a lot going on right now. Um, I'm the first employee. And we're just starting the the you know trying to get the idea going and, and trying to see what users really think of the thing and and it's exciting it's really fun um, awesome I like a startup yeah it's a brand new startup it's it's like YC backed and, and everything it's great and Congrats. Um, that's, uh, that's great thank you thank you and uh, the the founder uh, or the founders two founders the CEO or I don't even know we don't it's weird when it's like a small company. And I'll it's tell weird. you why this is important and how I'm going to ask you a question after this. Small companies, the roles of like CEO, CTO, lead design, head design, like I'm the only designer, right? There's only, you know, there's only three employees, including the C CEO, CTO, or, you know, developer, yep. basically PM. So it's kind of like weird with the titles. 
Um, it's just kind of like, what do we need to get done? I'll do branding, marketing. I'll also do and my focus on the products, the you know, UI, UX, information architecture, that kind of stuff. But we're really trying to fi figure out market fit more than create a support system. And your company, I just heard a podcast with you on it. I don't want to like repeat questions other people asked you. I want to like really dive into deeper questions. Um, cool. cool, cool. You're trying to reach a hundred million in ARR, or what, what was the number, ARR. or something like that? Okay, a a ARR, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Framer's not small anymore. It's pretty big. Uh, Man. quick. It's, it depends. It's pretty big compared to where I'm 40, at right now. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But 45 people compared to most of our competitors is tiny. It is. Uh, it's yeah. I mean, Figma's the at like 800. 900 people webflow is like well above 250 300 so yeah we're 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 a startup startup compared to those guys and does then, that bother um, you no not at all i think you know we got we got to this place um we were bigger before we pivoted um and um and you know you comp your company sort of like needs to be be ready for for scaling and 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 growing sort of like sustainably you have to have the right people in place to 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 add more um, people to the company, and and we weren't when we started scaling, and so it became a bit chaotic for a little bit. Right, and it's also like as a founder or as a group of people that started at a company, you you sort of have to like learn how to grow that. It's not like you can't just like yeah run a hundred people company with no experience. You need a little bit of like figuring out um, how to get there, and so. 45 people for us today is, is an extremely good um, size. I think, you know, that enables us to go fast. Um, and um, and I think the, gr the group that we now have together, that's like, it's also, that, that's a lot of people that have been with the company for multiple years. Um, some of them are like, you know, year one, some of them are year two. Um, and then most of them will be like, obviously like later. But, um, um, and I think, you know, by now, we would be ready for onboarding more people into the company because we've got such a good sort of like, um, yeah, base group together to take on a little more risk. But, you know, you put five extra people to work in products, as talented as those people may be, you know, they've never worked together. They've never worked together with people at the company. They come in with different experiences, different expectations from, from a work environment, what it effectively, you know, end of the day, it's, it's, a, it's a job. And um, and those people need time to to really like get dialed into each other and um, and find a good rhythm and a good groove or good flow to 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 start shipping high quality stuff and that's and that's only on the product side. There's also like you know commercial sides where you need to get people to work together well and 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 operations and um, engineering um, infra. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of it. It's it's our, it, our our ideas. Like if we can if we can get really talented people together, work together for a long time, we can probably get a really highly efficient company. Um, we can build yeah build a really highly efficient company if we can get to a hundred on the hundreds. In the last podcast, I asked people like if you know of a company that has done this, then I'd love to talk to them. And I don't think <laughs> I don't think there's been any responses. So I, I, that doesn't indicate it cannot be done, um, but. Um, but uh, yeah, it might be too aggressive. Maybe you need a little more people to get to 100 million. But it's more, it's also for us, it's more of a way to, to think about, you know, how do you problem solve as a, as a business? And, and typically, or at least like 
in the in the last couple of years when when venture capital was relatively easy to to get by a lot of the answers for how do you solve a problem was like well you just hire a person right like try to find a you know hire a person to figure out your sales hire a person to figure out you know product product market fit and um that doesn't really work in my view like you can't just like hire people for problems you don't understand and and if you do understand the problems that you're trying to solve then it becomes easier to find people to then help you solve those problems and that's more of like a mentality that i think we now have in the company is we try to hire people want it when it really starts to hurt and then only try to like hire people if we think we have a good idea of like how to make them successful and how to get them really like flowing with the rest of the company and then you know end of the day i'm not that married to that hundred on the hundred that that could be I would take 80 on 152, no no worries. But you know, I would also take 150 on 80. That would, that'd also be fine. So, okay. What would somebody need to join Framer to fit in and become efficient? Like you're obviously looking for something, a way of thinking or a way of working or some sort of way to mesh. What does it look like to you? It really depends um, on what type of role. Um, I think, you know, not, and, and it's not equal for 50 people. And so, it, it yeah, with more people, it, it's going to be even more diverse. You know, I think there's always like in startups, in your case, probably like if you join a f the earliest stage startup, then you enjoy solving problems. And that makes you, uh, in my book, like a startup person, right? A startup person is a person that is, you know, enjoying the process of figuring things out on the job, um, multitasking over a range of, you know, different skill sets from talking to people in interviews to building something, to testing something, to breaking things, to marketing something just to get things going. Um, and uh, we got a group of people like that at the company. The founders are pretty much always to be, yeah, guaranteed to be, people like that because like they have to drive most of the of the results uh, early on um and then like you know in 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 product and design we have there's different skill sets it's you know it's more uh towards are you active in the community do you understand the product do you understand you know web design there's a lot of like technical knowledge about the space that you need to be efficient um there's a lot of uh yeah user research that you that, that you're doing and then Obviously, like there's the building of the product itself and and then shipping the features. Like there's a whole um yeah, that's a big range of of uh skills that we're asking product designers specifically uh to 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 have. And there's like, yeah, product engineering is different. You can have like the front end product engineers, you can be more tailored towards like actual like all backend building and more like heavy engineering. Um I can go in into details and all of all of those if you want but um i was going to ask about uh so like you mentioned like trying to figure out what's the right problem to solve so what are you trying to solve like what what is what is the mission of framer then like is it because it's evolved over time too like what was it before or what is it now so our idea with 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 you know prototyping and the first five or six years of the company was was honestly was pretty simple we thought that all product design would eventually start to become some form of prototype. And we thought, you know, prototyping is, and mo most designers buy into this if you tell them the story. Like everybody will say like, yes, prototyping is the quickest, 
way to validate an idea and it's the best way to get sign off from you know a client or the mm -hmm. you know my manager or from engineering and you know people will really almost almost you know nine out of ten designers will say that that is a very effective way to work and we were um that was you know the 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 vision that we were driving we're like all right if we can get people to do high fidelity prototyping and make that easy enough so that more people can do it then at some point people are going to skip sketching whiteboarding low fidelity mock-up making they're going to skip most of that it's going to be more like i have an idea i'm going to prototype what that would look and feel like and 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 um and i think you know for for a variety of reasons that never really became true. I think the answer for the for the for the industry has always been, or in the last couple of years, honestly, has been more that low fidelity prototyping was the right answer. So just like connect some screens, and it's sort of like good enough to get an idea across the table. And then an even worse answer is that no prototyping seems to be also kind of still fine. And so that's where we found ourselves a couple of years ago. Um, in big tech companies, prototyping is still like pretty big deal, but and and we had most of those as customers of of Framer. But then when you started looking, you know, the at the at the behavior of designers in those companies, it was it was still a subset of designers that was prototyping. Like not even Facebook or Amazon would have, you know, a hundred on a hundred designers would be prototyping. It would be more like twenty on a hundred would be prototyping, which is if you want to build a bigger business. And you can only get 20% of the biggest tech companies in the United States, their design team to prototype with your product, then, you know, you can, it, yeah, yeah, you can only get so big. And so we were building a, a pretty healthy business, but not nothing that would, was explosive that, that was more in line with our ambitions. Let me ask you a question. You can confirm or deny or uh, agree or disagree with this statement. I have a theory why I think it didn't work. Go and for it. I think, and I'm glad it didn't work because it pushed you guys into something I think even better. But the reason why I think prototyping to the level that you guys were experimenting with it with Framer, it didn't work at a wide scale in the industry. A couple of reasons, but one theory is a prototype is an idea communicated with interactions and you can play with it. You can try it out, whatever. There's an effort <clears throat> to me. There's an effort to it when you actually have to build that and spend time building it. But the main reason why it doesn't work is because at a large scale is because maybe it's only to help convince somebody of something. Because how often are the exact prototypes, the final product, very little. They're a prototype. They're meant to be ephemeral, throw it out, try again. Uh, but oftentimes, people don't have time to build the prototype because still people don't know code. And then those who still do know code, those who whatever, they just use whatever tools that are, that are at their disposal to just convince others about their ideas. Those who resonate with the idea can help move it forward. And I don't know how important for so many big companies, you know, the for most their bottom line, or actually for most their revenue comes from a few ideas that 
might need to be tweaked, but don't need to necessarily be convinced that an entire new, this is just my, my personal theory that prototypes are a requirement. Like they're not necessary to convince other people, whereas other ideas are faster. Um, you can do a quick mock-up, talk to it, and that's enough for somebody to say, okay, that, there we go. We can just move forward with that because I've been convinced. Do you agree with that yep. kind of statement or do you think that, that's, that there's more to yep. it than, than that? I mean, we'll, we'll never know, but I think that's pretty much spot on, right? I think, you know, our idea was we can make this so, so easy that you wouldn't really consider making just a mock anymore and then do all the, you know, look at this screen and then, oh, I have another one. And then imagine that this one flies over that one. Like that all always seemed very silly that that is how we would, you know, uh, express interactivity to anyone. Um, and, um, but you're right. I think, you know, we never got to the level where where it would be less work to create a prototype instead of more. Like there's still, if you want to build a high fidelity prototype, the yeah, learning curve is high even. And you can, we can, you make all the, all the tools in the, in the world to make that easier. Then the problem became like, but now I'm spending all this time making something that I'm not going to be able to use. And so that is where where I think, you know, we were getting maybe a little stuck um, and 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 we had to like box our way out of that one for sure. <laughs> What's cool though, is I see people actually using Framer today, Framer Sites, as a prototyping tool for mock yep. web apps and, and, and some mock mobile apps. And I think that, yep. you know, we talked before, I'm like, why don't you just move forward with that and like actually go into building the web apps with the back end and stuff? Because you already got the front end down, right? Um, it's, yeah, we're, we're, that is obviously something we could consider. Um, there's a lot of like market to capture, uh, with just websites and we, we got like the roadmap for the rest of the years is for us to get extremely good at building larger websites, um, and make a whole lot more people successful actually building the site that they want. And so that will keep us busy, you know, even though framers, Probably for making a professional website without code, we're probably like one of the fastest tools to 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 make people successful. It has a learn, it still has a learning curve, and and it, it can be like, you know, if you're comfortable with Sketch and Figma, the learning, in an afternoon you you're gonna be fine. You're gonna understand how the product works, but if you don't have that background, then yeah, you're still gonna need a weekend to catch up on everything from like what's a breakpoint to how do I put an effect on here and what's a custom domain and where do I get one? Like there's so much involved with understanding uh, your basic understanding of what it takes to make a website that um, you know if we can put a dent in that and get more people successful building a site to begin with, then yeah, that's that's part one of the work. And a, and a lot of the AI work that we're doing is is geared towards solving that specifically. And then the other one is, you can perfectly find build big websites with Framer, and we're but we're investing a lot in in sort of like any feature you would need for building a big website. So we just released Search uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, which is one of my favorite product releases we've done this year. It's thank you. It's uh, it's so elegant. You just like. All the complexity of search is is gone. Like you have mm. to think of absolutely zero things, which is kind of cool. And also, I I sometimes I'm like, people forget how complicated this is. It's like you just draw drag a search icon on your site, and now you can you can figure it with like five buttons, and that works. It's insane. 
Yeah, and some um, people have even like modified it. They put it into a component and framer, and then they make it into a search box input that looks like an input. You click it, and then it opens up just like a real, yep. like normal site would normally do that. There's so many things you guys have done with Framer in just the past couple of months that have already accelerated why you should use Framer. And I'm not just saying like, like, like I use Framer all the time, like every day, trying to figure out how to build our new website, which I'm sure, you know, you've probably come across some some point on, on the internet um, through my stupid videos on Twitter. But, you know, I keep track. I, I know what you build. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can see the inside yeah. of it, too. <laughs> I, I actually want to ask you about that. So Framer is a platform that's it's private, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. your platform. You guys give access to other people to use your tools and exchange to give you money. What do you think about all this open source technology and how the web being open source plays into Framer being closed source in a sense? Because you can't access the tools, obviously, from Framer unless you pay for Framer. I mean, you know, two degrees, you can use the free stuff, but it's still locked into your ecosystem. And then we'll talk yep. about AI after open source stuff. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think, you know, oh, what's your question specifically? Sorry. Um, just like my thoughts on it or like... I guess Framer could ever allow an open source aspect to it. Obviously, you can build stuff to it because it's using React, but right now it's a closed sourced platform that yeah. if, you, if you wanted to, you could shut anyone down because for whatever reason, the contract we agree to when we uh, pay for it says we can't sell this stuff, whatever. And we're moving a lot into a decentralized, you know, yep. web, web three, right? Yep. So how do you see Framer playing a role in that universe? Unclear for me at this point how we would play into it. Um, I mean, like, yeah, obviously the downside of using any type of tool to produce uh, a, a um, live asset is uh, that, yeah, you are kind of like locked into, into, into any ecosystem, right? But honestly, if you would code everything from scratch and host it on Vercel, then now you have the problem with Vercel. And mm -hmm. so that problem is uh, not, I love Vercel. You could also have that problem with Netlify, right? You could have it with any provider that, that gives you a service on the internet. And so... Um, how we would play a role in sort of like decentralized web, I don't really know. We we have been thinking about, but this is like, hmm. we're not working on this this year. I, I, I'm i pretty open about what we work on and what we're not. We're yeah, not I love that. Working I love on this that one, part but, about it. But, <laughs> but uh, one idea that we had um, was that, you know, we're now on a on a track to make it pretty easy for people to design the site that they want without all the like learning curve of, of code. But the problem that we see a lot of like creators have is the next problem that they have is like, now I made this site, how do I get distribution? How do I get people to come to my site? Because for distribution, you need to, you need a, you know, social media following on Twitter, whatever, Instagram, like your LinkedIn, you need to promote yourself a lot. You need to network a lot. You need to do a lot of stuff to get exposure on your site. You can submit your site on, on, on framer.com slash awards. You get some exposure there, but how do you get more exposure? And so we were thinking a little bit, like, could we make some, some like maybe social layer over a framer site that you could maybe like turn on and say, Hey, this is my profile. And these are a bunch of my friends and we would link all of those to Framer sites. So you get a little bit of the discovery mechanism 
of the older web uh, back on the newer in the in the new web, and so it's not really Web three blockchain answer that you might you know we're looking for, but um, that would be something for for that we might explore for like a hackathon project or something that would be solving that distribution problem and and connect people through sites that they have instead of like Mitchell is connected to Yorn on Twitter, which is it's great, but Twitter is. It's for tweets. It's there's nothing really personal other than the tweets about me or my profile, what my website is or my website could be, right? And then, yeah, maybe we can connect those sites instead of, um, uh, instead of on Twitter. That's pretty cool. Would would I guess Web three level domains be acceptable as inputs for the URL domains in Framer at some point, maybe? Just kind of like um, going with like the Web three universe and 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 what that could be brought to Framer because I think that if there was some momentum in that space with Framer, it could potentially help Framer get even bigger. But uh, it actually can help the web get bigger and better. What's a Web three level domain? Like you can have like your name like dot uh-huh. et uh, you know eth or whatever it is like uh, have like there's like Ethereum level uh domain uh, urls yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, stuff like that yeah yeah i was talking to a startup the other day that was like buying all the last name as domains in the world i'm like all right cool and then uh and then you can buy yorn.fandike from them for like a relatively modest amount um and then you can run in the future because this doesn't work yet so in the when browsers start to support this and brave might be the first one to support it then you could punch in yorn.fandike and it will work. And you could also use it for like your wallet. Also, this doesn't also also doesn't work yet. But as a theory, I I would love this. I would love to get of like .com and I would love my name to be to be a thing that I can send around to get get paid. Or you punch it in a URL bar, you get to my website. This company was called uh, Superlink.me. They run on they run on a Framer website. It's it's pretty. Oh, cool. the, uh, Go check that's right. I I tried my, my name is I guess not important enough. It doesn't exist yet as a URL. But same same uh, same for me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, who do I have know, to contact you got, you, to get your name? To... <laughs> you you got to rename yourself to Mitchell James, and then you're good. <laughs> but you know, other than that, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, maybe you can like you can throttle their website and say, "Hey, give me my URL, or else." <laughs> yeah. Um, be funny. Okay, so switching gears to AI. Sure. All right. So I know Framer's working on uh, AI as something that could be integrated into the Framer Canvas interface building tool. Where do you see AI's role in the web? And how can you see it benefit Framer and people who don't know how to use websites or don't know how to build websites? Sure. Excuse me. So on the web, I'm I'm not I'm not qualified enough to go into that. Like I don't know how it's gonna if it's gonna destroy the web or not, or uh, if if we're all kind of like on this path, uh, doomsday path, or or if it's kind of fine. Um, um, on average, I'm more of a it's, it, it's gonna be fine type of guy. So uh, it it will probably be fine. But um, for creative tools and for Framer uh, specifically, I think I think AI is awesome. I think um, you know the 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 and, and and but that that is because like the learning curve of most of these tools for most people is so 
astronomic, astronomically high that they just don't get anything done, right? Um, the learning curve of 3D software is insane, right? You've pl probably played with Cinema 4D, as did I. And maybe after like a Saturday or a Sunday of messing around with it, you got like one stupid ball with like a lamp on it to render in some and and like that that that's the state of most of the creative softwares like if you play with premiere or if you play with like uh even framer right okay so framer might be easy but only if you know a lot about web design and only if you're a designer with prior experience in figma if you're not then you land in framer you see layers on the left don't know what those are property panel on the right don't know what that's that that's it and a white box in the center and then you have to figure out like i go layout select a tool, draw a box, position it, and then pin it to sides, and then you make a breakpoint. And, and, and it's, so many, it's so many steps for people that have no experience operating these tools. And so I think like I'm excited about AI solving most of that because what I see more is like people are pretty good figuring out how to modify something, but getting something from nothing, that's, that's hard, right? A white page, uh, or blank page and no breakpoints and no content and no pictures and no colors and no typefaces. That's a lot of like, that's a lot of work to now all come up with, put on a page, style and and sort of like make functional and then publish. You, a lot of people can do it, but for AI, AI I'm, I'm excited that way more people are going to be able to do it. Um, and that is what I think is exciting. And I don't see it biting real professionals that much anytime soon because like as dope as I think Midjourney is, it's, it's, it is not possible to create an, the exact picture that I want with it. It's, it's phenomenal at speed and creating beautiful pictures. But if I have a really clear idea of like, I want exactly this, we're not at a point yet where AI can give me that, right? or at least not in my experience, a limited experience um, playing with Midjourney. And so with side generation, I feel the same. AI is gonna, it's gonna destroy anyone on speed because it's just gonna make your website in two minutes. But you as a professional might want something that it, it's just not gonna do. It's just gonna give you a different side every time. And so for you, it might be to you know speed up your process going from an empty site to a site with some content and that That'd be fantastic. And now you like toss some things out that you don't want. You start adding effects and you start tweaking the color scheme and write some different content also with the help of AI. And if we can help professionals spend less time getting the results that they want, also win, right? I'd love for you to come in Framer, generate a page in five minutes, modify it for an hour, click publish, solve the next big problem for your company. That'd be way better than eight hours of messing and like, and so that's, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about both of those angles. The role of creativity is, is clearly changing, devolving over time, especially with these tools, right? So before you had to learn how to code, you know, uh, with with punch cards uh, to get a computer to really do what you want or answer the question you want, but you had to know the answer beforehand. With AI, you don't necessarily need to know the answer beforehand. You can also have it explore for you, and then you pick the best option, which is why I think curation and taste will be, I think, the most prominent skills when it comes to AI and designing websites, designing apps, designing, you know, solving problems. Because although we don't know the answer always, we know how we want the answer to feel or how we want it to fit into yeah. our situation. 
differently than a computer would want it to fit in because like there's no necessarily way to consider every single person's thoughts at the same time and come up with the best answer for every single person it's usually either individual or it's going to be too general for everyone so like you're saying um these image models are coming up with things that are not quite exactly what you're asking it to do but they're coming up with a lot of options that are pretty cool but they're just not exact it seems like the like you said before the pro web designers are going to still be very relevant because there's going to be a lot of shitty websites made. Not no, not to poo on anyone who's making websites with AI or, or anyone making anything with AI, but you still... I, I, no, I, I think the opposite. I think really? AI is going to raise the bar of like what a acceptable website will look like. Oh, really? Okay, so... Yeah, because like today, like a lot of people come into the platform, they don't have any design skills. What do you think they make? It's not going to be that pretty, right? Because there's right. a learning curve from the tool, but also their skills as a designer, you know, you still got to practice a lot of typography, color, matching, layout, behavior, interactions, blah, 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 right? All, all of that needs to, and 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 AI, with AI, we can make it so that the base is, is pretty good. Right? It's a decent looking website. And from there, the fine tuning and the, and the, and the improving starts. There's also like one big difference that I think People will understand this the second we we launch our AI release, but or AI release, and that's that with Midjourney and ChatGPT that, that those are and I I'm by no means an AI professional, but they're like predictive models, right? Where you input something and they try to predict the right thing. You can see in Midjourney, you can see like the picture becoming sharper, 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 sharper until it's uh, sharp. And with site generation for us, we're not at that stage yet at all, right? And so we're, we didn't write some some model that is going to predict the right site for your prompt and it's always unique and it because like the the amount of variables that come into play for for where what we need to 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 put on a good site is its layout over over many browser width widths um it's it's color and contrast that needs to be at a certain level it's legibility of type it's so many things that that we feel we're not at a point yet with AI that we can that anyone could really do that. And so most of the demos of the side website generations that you see online it, it, in the background it's ChatGPT doing some work on selecting sections and putting those in the right order and modifying picking colors based on color theming. And so that's also what we are doing. We're making it so that we give ChatGPT instructions based on the prompts, but we have a enormous library of sections that it can pick from that we designed, the Framer team. The Framer team is designing all these sections. And now ChatGPT can like fill in the text, but we have, you know, color generation as a as an input. We have type generation as an input. And so putting all of that together, like that's product problem solving, uh, primo, primo. <laughs> and that's what we're trying to do to get people to really good sites quicker. Um, yeah, and but that is that is I think is a big difference with the AI isn't really predicting the best site for you just yet. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. I'm afraid though it's going to be equivalent of iOS seven, where Apple came out with this base. You said base level, like a base level standard, and everyone who was a developer was like, I don't need a designer anymore. And then they went off and they did these things. We all quickly realized, oh my god, you do need a designer because. Everything looked the same. Everything was boring and, and, and stale. And 
honestly, I, th- I would say that the design community definitely revolted against iOS 7 because it, it, it not like it got rid of designers, but it just, in my opinion, and I think I would agree, uh, maybe others, others would agree, not just usability wise, but visually aesthetically, uh, it lowered the standards for apps uh, because it removes so much of the talent required to make an app, quote unquote, pretty, because you don't need to know how to make a gradient. You don't need to know how to make a shine on an icon. And that was something that was a craft level skill that many designers still pride themselves on uh, to be able to do, because it's, it's a lost talent now, in my opinion. It's, yeah. it's no longer for sure. required for everything. So when you're telling me that AI is going to create a base level, I would wonder, because I trust your designers at Framer to create and train this AI to come up with a really great standard. And I'm assuming yep. it's also going to include great accessibility standards. It's going to c- include, like you said before, responsive design. So it's going to a- add more value than just the look of it. But exactly. for the pro-level designers who are actually right now currently creating those templates that are awesome, uh, and those who are creating those really amazing websites with all those crazy light gradients and stuff going on right now, those crazy, that crazy motion, how, how are they going to play into this if the AI, in your opinion, is going to start raising the bar so much more? How much more do they need to get to be valuable? Mm, or do you think they just will be... evaporate and then something else will happen? No, 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 not at all. I also know no, we're not on that track at all. I think uh, they're going to be continuing to to be as valuable as they are to clients or, or the community. Um, yeah, none of that is like the thing that's, we're excited about next with AI, but you know this is not roadmapped and 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 it could change. So, but what I'm what I'm thinking the role of templates and AI is going to be in the near-ish future is that I think template creators will be able to create sections that will be included in the template that they sell that the AI can pick up mm-hmm. and then serve use as a base to compile a page. And so you, Mitchell, might buy Cedric's uh, folio template, and he is, has included not like one long template page, but there's 60 sections. And you punch in, make a website for Mitchell, uh, his podcast, uh, the episode with Jorn van Dijk, and include uh, an uh, audio player, five links to social, and a newsletter. And the AI will both generate the text but it will pick the sections from Cedric's template and potentially modify colors and type. And so that's where that seems super powerful. And um, and so, yeah, I, I, I don't think it will hurt uh, that fast. Um, yeah, at all. But, but I don't know, maybe I'm too, too optimistic to see that this could go wrong <laughs> anyway. Uh, I don't think it will. I, I think I, th- I think it's I think it's going to be fine. Can I ask then if if designers like myself are going to be building these templates and then the AI is going to be trained on these templates uh, under the different sections of the template. So it's not going to replicate the exact same website that Cedric built or, or Alex built or um, Clara built, but it might be taking apart those websites, dissecting them and finding the things in those sites that maybe somebody else could reuse mm-hmm. with those original sites that it's being trained on benefit from the AI in, in some sort of value exchange? Like, was it, would it maybe give a credit where that person then can can use to put into, uh, I don't know, like 
payments for their own sites or, or whatnot or, or, or discounts or something because it seems like there's now another issue with AI where it's like uh, Midjourney, I think it was Midjourney or one of the other big AIs were saying like uh, they're just trained off of whatever on the internet and everyone's like, yeah. wait a second, this AI generated an image that looks just like what I illustrated and it actually is the same thing that somebody else now have access to but they didn't pay me for it. They, yeah. they just paid an AI 20 bucks for it. So how, how do you yeah. reconcile with that? I'm not yeah, saying no, it's right I, or wrong. I'm, I'm just saying like that's the current debate. Yeah, no, I, I, I and I see your question. But to clarify, like we are not training any model on this on sites yet. Uh, we might in the future, um, but we are by no means an AI company, uh, right? We're just trying to make AI be useful for our end users. But we are not OpenAI. We're not. We're not Midjourney. We're not Adobe. We're, we don't have uh, AI scientists on the or, or engineers on the on the payroll, and so. Um, for us, it's, uh, I, I guess it's different. And also like with the idea that I just shared, we would make that um, exclusive to the template that you bought and not really feed 50 sections from a template creator into the general AI, right? You would have to buy that template and then you can compile pages and have a result that you want faster than you would have just modifying the template from, 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 from the creator. That's awesome. Um... I guess I want to ask more about the framework itself. Back to this idea of running a company. What what keeps you up at night? Mm, this year, relatively little uh, <laughs> because we have a good year. And um, but um, you know, in general, I I can always like list five or six things that I want to improve or that are that that, that need to go better. Um, but um, real quick, does, mean, does 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 that feeling go up and down? Like, is it waves like consistently, or is it just like random? Um, it really it, it is hard. It's a hard question, but um, but a good one. It's uh, it, it really depends. I mean, like obviously, last May was very sort of like make it or break it moment for for the company. If if the yeah, we raised our Series B and then decided to pivot, which is I would not I would recommend that to very few people to to actually go and try and do that. Um, and so hey, yeah, there's a lot of like um, because like you typically raise Series B to go and scale the business, and and you have figured out product market fit, and you have figured out some go to market motion of selling into more and more and more businesses, and you yeah on on average you try to raise series B when when you have an idea on like how to go and scale. You raise your seed round to to validate an idea. You raise a series A when you made your first million bucks maybe and have an idea of like, okay, this could be something. You can like 10 people running around or 15 people running around. And then the the B is 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 sort of when when a little bit of like scaling kicks in and then C and D and E is more like growth, right? It's like now it's more capital to reach uh, more people and 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 uh, sell more products. Um, and so, yeah, pivoting after a B is, is, um, uh, we had to, because like, we didn't really have another option, but yeah, it was definitely, uh, a, a tough year to, to pivot the company and, um, and go build a different product for, or like refine the product. Like there's, there's still like a lot of old framer in, in the, in the product that we pivoted in, but go solve, uh, we, we did go, uh, solve a very different problem with it, which is getting from design to the web. Um, without rebuilding uh, along the way. Um, so yeah, 
the last the last five six seven months have been phenomenal uh, it seems like there yeah there's no real red red flags of it slowing down so yeah that makes me sleep much better at night but uh, we are we are in a you know we're, we're we are obviously in a in a in a competitive space and um and uh, i believe that this that you know the web is huge and the, the market is huge and it's probably fine if there's a couple of a couple of companies uh doing doing very well but um yeah we we want our company to to go and do really really well uh of course and so getting there is 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 a lot of like that's that's another five to ten years of really hard work uh to get it to that level yeah i i you, you say competitors i don't think there's really anyone that compete with framer at the moment currently i know you're, you're probably wondering you know probably webflow and, and other web design tools are probably thinking okay how do we copy framer success because right now my whole twitter feed is just like framer beats webflow and everything right and so i'm sure you sleep really good at night <laughs> but it's going to take someone so much effort to convince their company to pivot their entire paradigm of how they actually use components and put those onto a canvas because it's very different than framers framers is a very unique strangely it's very unique because it's like the obvious answer of how you came up with that um, from the prototyping, but you had experience with the prototyping, so it kind of brought over to the framer sites experience. So I think that's really great. How do you like convince your team to pivot? Then, like, what is like that conversation like? Yeah, we did um, a little bit of soul searching. Like, how do you go go about this pivot? But pretty, you know, our our, our default. Um, you know the way that we operate is we 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 try to get back to the work and and go figure figure things out and also for the phase that we're in right now that's it's always the answer like something's broken uh yeah you can talk about it for a very long time and get like a lot of people involved or you can make a list and uh get to work right most most answers start with like someone someone's going to make a list and uh you know put some work into to get some answers and um we kind of did, and so in in the pivot, Kun, Kun my co-founder and I, we switched it up. We we flipped who runs what. So I used to run product, and Kun uh, ran the commercial side. And um, and with the pivot, we flipped that. Um, so Kun started running product, and I started running commercial side. And uh, on on the sort of like figuring the product market fit out, I I worked with uh, a small team of like two or three people. Um, on on what our go to markets would look like, so figuring out like is this the right problem to solve? Interviewing a lot of people in the space, is it big enough? Can we get competitive with with which companies? And and if you think back eighteen months ago, it wasn't that clear to us yet that we could, for instance, go after professional web design and and get the tool to a product or to get a get a platform to a level where it could output really professional websites now, now we take it for granted but 18 months ago we're like maybe we should compete with squarespace and go all template base and have no freeform canvas and so okay that's a thought how do you go and validate that talk to a bunch of people talk to designers talk to like what do you like about squarespace what do you hate about squarespace what do you love or hate about webflow what do you love or hate about wix what do you what do you think about like shopify is there like that company seems old it's 20 years like is that is that a is that an opportunity and so there's a lot of like figuring out that happens in a very short amount of time. And for that, you need to loop people in and do it together with them. That That's not really something that, that um, yeah, you can't do it with like one or two people. Wow. Well, yeah. I can't imagine it being an easy transition. 
And I can't imagine it being an easy conversation to say, look, the past number of years we're doing this, we have to change what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, I mean, like it, it, it's not, and um, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, but that that's that's uh, sort of like what the price you, the price that you're paying for being the founder is like um, you, you want to make the company successful, and sometimes that means doing something drastic. Every time you make a a large ish change, then people will some people will just not naturally disagree and and kind of leave, right? So if we tomorrow would change the company up, even just like. I don't know, like we would go do something a little bit different. I don't know, like it needs to be a sizable change, but like any sizable change, there's going to be a couple of folks that are going to say, you know, this is not for me. And that and that's fine, right? Like that's that's part of, of building a business and uh, and trying to succeed. And obviously like with the pivot, we we had a little bit of that. Um, and so, yeah, now what we're left with is fantastic, right? Now we have like really core group of people that are going for it, which is awesome. And now on that, on top of that, we can build build a company out into something bigger again, which um, I'm happy that we're here. That's, uh, that's the gist of it. <laughs> so I have two big questions to kind of end the podcast on. And I want to get into one of them right now, which is about culture. And it sounds like from what I see from a lot of the employees on, on, from Framer online, from you, you know, you're the CEO, not the CEO, you're the CEO. Uh, you cultivate a culture that's like, it seems to be fun. How, how do you craft that and how do you sustain that kind of culture? Good question. I think, um, you know, what I said before, like we, we try to put a lot of emphasis on getting, getting the work done because like I, I have a, yeah, I spent a bunch of time also at at Facebook and in big bigger tech com- at a bigger tech company, and um, that that's not really for us. Like that, there's a lot of like, you know, big company stuff involved. That is not what I'm good at. You might be surprised that I would be I would be pretty te- I'm pretty terrible at like politics. That's not that's not really my thing. So, <laughs> um, and so yeah, part of the culture is like we we try to you know make it enjoyable for everyone to ship really good stuff. And if if you you know, we've done that now for, for eight years. And, and I think like, that's still the thing that, that gets us going. It's like, I, I love it when we ship and I love it when we ship a lot. And I love it when customers are responding well to it. Um, and, um, you know, I love a bunch of, I love making hype on the internet. I love getting people really excited about like a big launch. Honestly, like that's a lot of it is that. And like, every time we're getting like, something gets a problem gets a bit hard then we just default back to like okay but let's get let, let's do work on it like, like let's get let's get to work let's, let's stop the stop all the writing down and all the other blah 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 just what's the solution look like and um and i think that that is enjoyable i, I also don't know like how well that will scale into many more people that's why i i'm very happy that we're going to try and and maybe double this group but for the foreseeable future we're not going to we're not going to like uh, quadruple or anything because that would for sure take that aspect away, which is, I think, um, is is key to our success right now. That's awesome. Okay, great answer. Uh, and then last but not least, this entire episode and every episode that I do uh, with Pascal, along whatever, we like to ask questions about how this person is shaping the design world. And clearly you and Framer are and the rest of the team at Framer are shaping 
the world of design significantly. I mean, it, it's literally, like I said before, nonstop, my entire Twitter feed, everyone's talking about Framer. And they're making great websites. They're making really beautiful things. And I love that. I love seeing people create. I love seeing people not just create, but also have impact on what they are trying to help uh, that creation around. Like when they're trying to help a business with a new website, trying to promote something, trying to build their, their brand. I love seeing that. I love seeing people succeed. And I think design is really helping them do that, especially with designing uh, with, with, with a tool like Framer that helps them design. How has the world of design shaped you? Ooh, good one. Uh, I, I the first thing that I that I knew I I wanted to do more with was was honestly was the Mac. Like the, just the 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 you know I was in Art Academy. This is probably like the first thing that that shaped me. Like Art Academy, sort of like graphic design backgrounds. Um, but uh, I knew I, I I was drawn to like tech, and specifically I was drawn to the Mac, and then spe more specifically OS X, OS ten, first one with like aqua everything and i was like intrigued by by that the most and um i think like you know the first 10 years of my career have been about that about like um mastering that craft that you just described of of rendering icons with uh, rich detail and texture and uh shading and light and playing in in three uh 3d tools to to get ideas of like how to get better at that um Honestly, like that, that that has been massively influential for me. I thought iOS seven sucked. Like I'm like, what the hell? They're taking all the fun. Like what? Everything's out. What was this? <laughs> and so you know, obviously, design is is much more about aesthetics. And I think I, as a as a designer, um, it, I wanted to wanted to transition into into building something more than 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 um, you know. Uh, pretty aesthetics, and um, and so that that was a reason to to become a founder uh, and and start this company. And and I think you know, for for Framer and and for for the like, I love it when people succeed making something something weird on the internet. And uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I wasn't too big of a fan of the the design system movement where like most things started to look pretty similar um but i'm happy that we're back at a place like i was a pretty big fan of flash and uh and um yeah i'm not i'm not offended when people say like framer feels kind of like modern version of flash i'm like hell yeah yeah that, that that that's that's what it should feel like like yes <laughs> um yeah does that answer your question a little bit or yeah no that's that's a great answer and it i just okay. want to say that one of my earliest memories of doing design work and really getting into design discovering the internet of this like tech scene was seeing the sofa website and seeing all the oh, beautiful iconography oh, wow. and the layout was just so beautiful airy simple and just it was just it like it was authentically it and it was a quirky name sofa it was you know it was just everything around it was just so uh magical and i Thank still you. i'm sure have screenshots of that website on my backup drive somewhere and I it's know still can, live. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing that it's <laughs> it's lasted so long. And it's and you know it, it really did stand the test of time. But it it's one of those things that helped me and many others feel inspired to achieve something similar. So thank you for 
doing all of that and helping out with, with awesome. Sofa and thank you and going to Facebook and coming out and building this great tool that we all kind of fell in love with and then now you fall in love with again with Framer. So thank you for that and thank you for coming on the pod. I forgot to mention one thing, but um, we ran our community on Discord and uh, it got a bit messy and uh, had a, bit, a couple of downsides. And so one thing that I forgot to call out was that Mitchell was one of uh, a, a few people that pointed out, it's like, hey, this needs to be uh, a little bit like of a better community. And you started playing with a different platform and it was definitely yeah, one of the, we listened to that and started in investigating a bunch of different solutions. I'm, I'm very happy for the, <laughs> for the, for the nudge. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I thought that it, it was weird that you guys didn't have a community. I was like, why don't you have like an easy to access thing? Like I hate discord, no offense to discord and the, the designers there or developers or whole company there. I just, it just, I hate the product so much. I hate using it. And some people I, love it. I, you know, I'm a fan. Fine. I'm a fan. I, I'm, I like it. But, uh, but yeah, it's definitely like uh, as a platform, it's, it's just, it, it's sort of like meant for something else. It's, it's not really for, for what we want to get out of it. And I'm, I'm super stoked with uh, Framer.community. If you're not on it, go, go check it out. Um, it's, it's awesome. We're close to 6K members. It is nuts. It's going, it's going, it's going very That's fast. awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully we'll be posting our resource, everythingframer.com soon. So check that out as well. Thank you so much for having me, Mitchell. I had a blast. <laughs>